Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. He doesn't mean they're thick-headed. He means they're wrong-headed. They're wrong. Their thinking is wrong. They are foolish because they have not known God. And they do not have understanding. They don't understand the Lord. They don't understand the ways of the Lord. And because of that, he says they are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. They know how to do evil things, but they don't know what's right. The people of Judah in the days of Jeremiah let themselves stray so far from the Lord that they reached a point where they no longer could tell right from wrong. Pastor Dan will encourage you today to keep your heart soft and attentive to God. And if you've strayed from his ways, it's not too late to turn back. He offered forgiveness and blessing to the people of Judah if they would confess their sin and turn from them. And he offers the same blessing and forgiveness to you if you turn from your sin. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 4 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. It's important to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Because even the elect of God can be deceived. Anyone can be deceived by a false prophet or false teaching, even if it sounds very good, right? Even if it appeals to the flesh, anyone can be deceived. And so we need to, you know, be rooted and grounded in the word so that we're not deceived. We need to know what the Bible says and know what the Bible says, you know, about the end times, about God's judgment. All of it. So that when something that we hear that does appeal to our flesh or appeal to our carnality, that we can say, no, that's not what the word of God says. That sounds really nice. I wish it was that way, but that's not what the word of God says. This is what the word of God says. I think now more than ever, uh, you you really need to be students of the word of God uh, because there's just, there's so much deception out there and so much feel-good false teaching out there that is so uh, packaged slickly, and it sounds so good, and it's presented in such a way that is so appealing, uh, that if you're just going on what your heart says, you're going to take it, hook, line, and sinker. And it seems here that even Jeremiah kind of bought into the false message that was popular in his day. He's a little confused here. Now, turn over to chapter 5. Chapter 5, the end of the chapter. God's going to set Jeremiah straight. He's going to set the record straight here. 
in verse 31 of chapter 5, the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? And here the Lord says, hey, the the prophets are prophesying falsely. The priests are just doing whatever seems right in their own eyes, ruling by their own power. And my people like it that way. They like it. They like the feel-good message. They like the positive message. They don't want to hear the truth. You know, uh, to Isaiah the prophet, remember, the people said to Isaiah, don't tell us right things. Tell us smooth things. Right? Don't, don't tell us what's true. Tell us what we want to hear. Right? Again, I think you see a lot of that in much of the church today. So we need to be discerning. Back in chapter 4, verse 11. At that time, it will be said to this people and to Jerusalem. Now watch what he says here. A dry wind of the desolate heights blows in the wilderness, in the desert, toward the daughter of my people, not to fan or to cleanse. It's not like this light breeze, you know, that just cools you off, that's pleasant. A wind too strong for these will come for me. Now I will also speak judgment against them. He talks about here this strong wind that's going to come out of the wilderness. Again, he's describing Uh, the Babylonians that are going to come into the land of Judah and conquer it. But he uses this description of this strong wind that comes out of the wilderness, out of the uh, desert, which was something that was and is very familiar to the people living in Israel. There is this wind that they get every year uh, in the spring, usually April, May. It comes out of the deserts of North Africa, and it's this hot dry wind. It usually has sand with it mixed in it, and it moves very rapidly across the land. 40, 50, 60 mile an hour winds. And it just blows across the land. It brings hot, dry desert air into the land. And that hot, dry desert air burns up all the vegetation in the land in just a matter of days. Jesus, if you're a note taker, Jesus spoke of this wind And Luke chapter 12, verse 55, where he said, And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. It will be so. Jesus was talking about this wind. It's called the Sirocco, and it comes out of the south. It comes out of the desert, and it covers the land of Israel with dry, hot, dusty air, that just envelops everything, and it just kills everything in its path. It just uh, dries up all the vegetation in its path, where it's green and lush, and a week later, everything is brown and fried. Uh, it's also very dangerous for children. Quite often when this happens each year, there's children that suffer heat stroke and die as a result of it. This is what it's describing here in Jeremiah chapter 4. This wind coming in from the desert, this hot wind that just consumes everything in its path. It just rolls across the land and it swallows up everything in its path and destroys everything along the way. And he's saying, this is what the Babylonians are going to be like when they come into the land. 
Verse 13, behold, he shall come up like clouds and his chariots like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? Uh, You know, even though this enemy is rapidly approaching and this judgment is imminent, there's still an opportunity to repent. The people of Jerusalem could wash their hearts from their wickedness and be saved. And again, you see the heart of the Lord here just pleading with them. Wash your hearts, O Jerusalem. Wash your hearts from wickedness that you may be saved. Just begging them to turn and be forgiven and be saved. For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim. Now, Dan is the northernmost city in Israel, in the northern kingdom at this point. It's the northernmost city. When an invading army comes in from the north, Dan is the first city they attack because that's the first city they come to. And here he describes, you know, this messengers coming from the north who declare that, you know, the army is at Dan. And then another messenger comes and says, now they're at Mount Ephraim. Mount Ephraim is just a few miles north of Jerusalem. And the point here is this army is moving rapidly towards Jerusalem. They were just at Dan, and now they're at Mount Ephraim. Now they're only a few miles away. The point being, don't delay. Come back. Wash your hearts of its wickedness. Repent while you still have time before it's too late. You know, it's at the door kind of thing. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. We shouldn't put it off because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And there's a sense of urgency here with the Lord. Now, we see the same kind of urgency in the New Testament. And as the Lord is saying this, they're at Dan, now they're at Mount Ephraim. As he says this, the Babylonians weren't literally in Mount Ephraim. They weren't literally in Dan. That invasion is still 40 years away. But the Lord speaks of it as if it's going to happen tomorrow. And you need to get right today kind of thing. And because of this, because of this, there were people in Jeremiah's day who scoffed at Jeremiah's message. That this judgment is at the door. The judgment is imminent. They scoffed at his message and they said, there's no invasion coming. There's no army at Mount Ephraim. There's no army at Dan. There's no chariots heading our way. Just as in the New Testament, Peter tells us that people scoff at the second coming of Christ and that people will say, well, where is the promise of his coming? Things haven't changed at all. You know, people have been talking about Jesus coming for years. And there is this attitude uh, that we see people have. And Peter says that's a sign of the last days when people have that attitude. But they just scoff at the return of Christ. And Peter tells us that this is a sign Of the last days, just before the judgment comes, people will be scoffing at the return of Christ. And we see just before judgment came on Judah, people kind of scoffed at this idea that judgment was imminent and that judgment was about to fall upon the nation, that there was an urgency 
to return to the Lord while they still have time. Verse 16, make mention to the nations. Yes, proclaim again against Jerusalem that watchers come from a far country and raise their voice against the cities of Judah like keepers of a field or shepherds. They are against her all around because she has been rebellious against me. This is why the judgment's coming, because they've rebelled against the Lord. And he compares Babylon to keepers or shepherds who have surrounded them. Uh, The shepherds would surround their flock in the field to prevent any of the sheep from wandering away from the flock and to keep any predators from coming in uh, to the flock. And here he describes Babylon as shepherds surrounding Jerusalem. And they're going to surround Jerusalem to prevent anyone from escaping when they attack the city. And again, he tells us in verse 17, this judgment's coming because they've been rebellious against the Lord. Your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now, beginning in verse 19 through verse 22, Jeremiah shares, you know, his personal anguish that he feels for the people of Judah because of this fate that will come upon them. These verses are sometimes called the cross of Jeremiah, and they're very similar to Psalm 22, where the Lord Jesus Christ, where we read of his anguish when he's on the cross, uh, gives us a look into the Lord's heart in Psalm 22. These verses give us a look into Jeremiah's heart, and he's in anguish and bitterness over uh, what will come upon the people of Judah. He says again, verse 19, Oh, my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. And the word pained here, it, it, it has the idea of shaking or trembling. You know, he's in shock at what he has been shown in this vision of the judgment that will come. My heart makes a noise in me. His heart is pounding. I cannot hold my peace Because you have heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. The Lord gives him a vision where he sees the destruction that Babylon will bring upon Judah, where the whole land is plundered, all the cities are destroyed down to the ground. Suddenly my tents are plundered, my nation, and my curtains in a moment How long will I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good. 
they have no knowledge. And here when he when he says my people are foolish, he doesn't mean they're thick headed. He means they're wrong headed. They're wrong. Their thinking is wrong. They are foolish because they have not known God. And they do not have understanding. They don't understand the Lord. They don't understand the ways of the Lord. And because of that, he says they are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. They know how to do evil things, but they don't know what's right. In Romans chapter 16, the apostle Paul will will say the opposite of this. And he says in Romans 16, 19, that we should be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And have you noticed uh, when you look at the news online, it's revealing to you evil now? It's not just reporting the stories anymore. Now we've got a video of it. And you can see it happen. You know, we are becoming very wise towards evil now and how it works, and what it looks like, and how people do it. Where the Bible tells us we should be innocent of evil. I don't know how that happens. I don't know where they do that, or how they do that, or how somebody might do that. Just choosing to not learn that information. We have to, it's very hard in our day to just stay innocent toward evil. He goes on here, verse 23, I beheld the earth, And indeed, it was without form and void and the heavens. They have no light. Again, he's describing what the land will look like after the Babylonians come rolling through the land and destroy everything. They cut down trees, everything. I mean, they're destroying it all and they're leaving it desolate. The verse here, verse 23, it might sound familiar because it's the same wording as Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. This idea of the earth was without form and void. In Genesis, it's without form and void, but there's this anticipation of creation that's taking place. It's in the midst of creation. Here, this is after destruction, where now it's just without form and void. They've just devastated the land and just left it as nothing. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled. And all the hills moved back and forth. Even the land was afraid of the Babylonians, is the idea here. I beheld, and indeed there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens had fled. It's interesting, sometimes after a very devastating event, like a devastating storm, uh, even the birds are gone. Sometimes if you go into an area that's had a major hurricane, for example, All of the vegetation is stripped off the trees and plants. And you'll notice, like, there's no birds in there. There's no birds around. Where are the birds? You know, he he notices that after this devastation of the land from the Babylonian army. Man, there's not even birds flying around. I beheld, and indeed, the fruitful land was as a wilderness. It was once fruitful. Now it's like a desert. And all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate. The whole land will be ruined. Yet I will not make a full end. The whole land will be ruined, but not destroyed completely. God will bring them back after the captivity to rebuild the land 
For this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken, I have purposed, and will not relent, nor will I turn back from it, the Lord said. I'm not going to change my mind. You're not going to talk me out of this. The whole city shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and the bowmen. They shall go into the thickets and climb up on the rocks. People are going to run into the mountains to hide. Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man shall dwell in it. And when you are plundered, what will you do? What will you do then? They refuse to turn back. Their hearts are hard towards the Lord. They refuse to come back to him and be saved. And so he says, all right, well, when you're plundered, what are you going to do then? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, though you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, though you enlarge your eyes with paint, in vain you will make yourselves fair. Your lovers will despise you. They will seek your life. Instead of turning to the Lord for help, Judah was looking to the other nations for help. That's what this is talking about. They were looking to their political alliances to rescue them and save them. For I have heard a voice as of a woman in labor, the anguish as of her who brings forth her first child. First labor is usually the most difficult. The voice of the daughter of Zion bewailing herself. She spreads her hands looking for help saying, woe is me now, for my soul is weary because of murderers. And God here, he gives a very vivid graphic description of Judah and Jerusalem when they're destroyed by the Babylonians. He compares their destruction to a woman who's having a difficult childbirth. She reaches out for help, and there's no one there to help her. Instead, she finds herself... Uh, surrounded by those who want to kill her. And here she's going through this difficult situation. And the only people that are there are people that want to murder her. Babylonians. And there's not much she's going to be able to do in her condition. And Judah made the mistake of putting her trust in nations and political alliances rather than trusting in the Lord And when the day comes, those nations don't show up to help. And Judah finds herself just at the hands, in the hands of the Babylonians. I think kind of the overarching message of chapters 3 and 4 is that, you know, when we backslide, we can come back to the Lord. And he pleads with us to come back. He offers salvation. He offers forgiveness to us if we come back to him. And what they do, what Judah does, is they just harden their heart to that offer. And they refuse to accept God's mercy and God's grace towards them. And he gave them every opportunity, every possible opportunity. And I think the lesson for us is we should take advantage of God's grace and God's mercy while we have the opportunity. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. And he's a merciful God. And he doesn't want us to perish in our sins. And he doesn't want us to stay backsliding in a backslidden condition. He wants us to come back to him. He wants us to forsake our sin and come back to him and allow him to cleanse us and heal us and restore us. He asked me how I know and I say, bring true 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Dan, we invite you to visit our website, calvaryec.com. There you'll have access to our library of previous messages available to listen to online or download to take with you on the go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Each time we post a new teaching, you'll get a notification and be able to listen right away. We're so blessed to be able to provide you with insightful messages taken straight from the pages of God's Word. We pray you've been encouraged today by what you've heard. We'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us as we continue to build this ministry. God is using programs like Ring of Truth to share the message of the gospel through a virtual mission field. Now, more than ever, people are being reached through radio and online teachings. We're so glad we could be a part of it, and we're eager to see where God will take us next. Would you join us in seeking God's will for this ministry? We'd also ask that you keep our listeners in your prayers, that they'll be open to how God is speaking to them. We know God listens to the prayers of His people, and we appreciate you partnering with us in this way. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to take the things you're learning in this study and apply them in your daily life. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will continue teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize